Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End. Uh, yeah, it's another one of those podcasts where we, we gather with clear heads. Mainly because we didn't really watch the game this weekend, but that's not really watch it, let's say, for, for, for many, 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 many good family reasons. Uh, my name is John. Uh, with me this evening is Geordie. Hello. And Jason. Good evening. Let's have a look at this, lads. Because Geordie, I remember doing a podcast with you quite a while ago, uh, before even the season started. Uh, and I said to you, how do you think Watford do this season? And I think you said you expected Watford to go up. I believe I said I hoped Watford would go up. How did that feel going throughout the whole season for you? Well, I think I, I shared that expectation with quite some senior managers at the club, didn't I? Who, <laughs> uh, who said very boldly, we're not actually looking to go up, we're looking to go up as champions, which um, is great that they state those objectives, but it shows how far we've kind of failed to hit. If we were having a review uh, with our with their bosses they'd probably be put on a kind of probation program, wouldn't they, to kind of turn them around. When did I think? I, th- I kind of wrote this season off in January, which is bizarre given how much we've fallen since then, because even then we were third, I think, at some point. What was your, what was your breaking um, point, do you think? It, you know, if you look back at our fixtures, we never had a really good run. No. Um, so it, it never got going, frankly. I don't think there was any point where you thought, okay, yeah, now I'm confident that we've kind of... It's always like, oh, well, you know, there was always an excuse. It was either, you know, well, we've got new players in, so we're settling. We've got a new manager. Then, obviously, he the manager left. Are they excuses he, he, or are they just... Uh, no, they're excuses. Every okay. team, no, no, no team gets a, a free hit. I mean, Leicester, the year they won the league, pretty much played the same team. Very rarely had injuries. Didn't have any kind of cups to worry about in European football. Other teams were in flux. A lot of things went perfectly for Leicester when they won the league in 2016 but most teams don't have a free run at it so uh, you know we changed our manager we changed our squad loads of players came in 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 the summer the whole kind of debate about the right back that Edwards didn't get then Edwards wasn't there to worry about getting a right back anymore Billich came in you know started well but there there were still games I think was was, um, the Blackpool away games against Billich wasn't it Mm. so that was kind of like early in his reign you're like okay so there's still scope to kind of really and Millwall not long after that so there's still scope to kind of show a soft underbelly you know, some good results, beating Luton and stuff. But then it never really... We beat Luton, we beat Wigan, and then we beat Cardiff. That was like three wins in a row over the course of like a week or so. Uh, but then we blew it against Coventry at home. And it just felt as soon as we needed to get momentum, if you look at Burnley, they started similarly to us. In fact, when Edwards left, they were only a point or so ahead of us. But they they went up like, like almost like a like a car going through the gears. Whereas we were, we were like someone who didn't realise they were driving a manual car and thought they were driving an automatic and just was in first gear the whole time. And every time went to kind of, you know, stall the car, just put the clutch down quickly to stop it and never really got out anything more than 10 miles an hour, whereas Bernie was sailing off into the distance. So I don't think there was any moment where I said... It was a slow there's death. No, no, it, well, <laughs> it, it was, it, well, it was never, it was never alive, which is ridiculous. No. Um, and I think the expectation, and when I said I expect us to get promoted, is because you look at the league, and I think even now, in hindsight, you don't look at it and go, you know what, this league was a lot tougher than I thought it was going to be. Our kind of mid-table finish is exclusively, in my view, down to us. Um, there's no external factors. Yes, we had midfielders injured. Yes, this blah blah blah. We've got much better resources than, than other clubs in this division. Um, we had much better opportunities to prepare for this season because we knew we were getting relegated from relatively early, you know, kind of earlier than this time last year. We knew we were going down. So we had time to get the manager in, time to, to do our signings. A lot of the signings that came in in, in, in January, sorry, in, in September were either shipped out uh, throughout the season or haven't featured. Yeah. And then the ones that came in in January have been a little bit hit and miss, a bit, a bit in defence, but nothing... 
nothing up front. So, uh, yeah, I don't. I think this season has just been um, one that never got going. So there's no obvious line where you can say this is the moment it flipped. It just never got going, and I think that's exclusively down to us. You got to a point where you sort of said, actually, this is never going to happen. That was your when your expectation disappeared. Pretty much, I think you know we do our prediction league, and we kind of it's interesting when you look at the Watford scores because our our he- our hearts rule our heads sometimes. Look, we often predict Watford to, to win. It'd be interesting, you know, if Jace has got the numbers to actually look at what the league would have looked like if if the average of our Watford predictions had come true. <laughs> we would be streets ahead because there's just so many games where there's there's nothing about the opposition. You know, when Coventry no. beat us, there's nothing about Coventry that said Coventry should beat us or Millwall should beat us or Blackpool should beat us or Swansea should beat us four 0 There's nothing about those those oppositions. It was it was us who didn't turn up, us who didn't do the job. And, and under Bilic, we never got started early in the games. Under Wilder, we get started early and then throw them away. It, it feels like it feels like we've, we've got a load of jigsaw pieces um, that Gino's put together, but he's not realised they they're all very good jigsaw pieces in the puzzle they belong to. But he's yeah. got one that's of dinosaurs, one that's of Paw Patrol, one that's of a landscape by Constable, and he's trying to force them in, and they don't make a picture. It just makes a mess um, and a lot of frustration, and that's kind of so. That's my kind of take out from this season. Yeah, two, uh, five, about five and a half minutes there before someone said the word Gino. Um, <clears throat> because you, you said about you know, mid-table, all the rest of it. I do look at these things. And I, always th- I always try and look at it in terms of where are you, how many wins are you away, or how many whatever you're away. Because we are only three wins off the playoffs. And that sort of feels that should have been easily doneable when you see three wins, especially with the, the games we've lost recently. With ten wins off the automatic promotion places. We are five losses away from relegation, but that's a whole other story. Jason, no, but it is, it is I suppose, recently, under, under Chrissy Wilder, is the fact that we have lost so much from being 2-0 up. Talk about losing points from winning positions. We've actually lost more points from winning positions under Wilder than we have gained points under Wilder. We've won nine points since he's been in charge. We've lost another 12 where we've taken the lead and gone on to either draw or lose. Um, and you, you talk about how far away we are from the playoffs, John. That Those 12 points would have put us in the playoffs. Now, I'm not sure what that says. Um, does it say this division isn't actually as difficult as we think it is? Or does it say it is difficult, but with a team that's got parachute payments, with a team that's got squads with players like we've got, should absolutely be up there without breaking too much of a sweat but three wins you could say is up there with it it's not massive it's not a, it's it's three games of football out of the 40 odd that we play yeah but then you could also say you're saying five wins off of relegation pretty much that's that's only a sort of one one more of those victories that could have been a defeat let's let's say the uh, the west brom game for example that we won 3-2 that could have gone the other way and then we'd be four wins either way. We are we are in mid table. Uh, the table doesn't lie. Cliche. <laughs> um, and yeah, it, it, it's we we probably be decorating it a bit too much if we said being three wins off the playoffs isn't that bad when you consider the resources that we've got available. Yeah. Um, and you and you, and we can't discount that statement about being five wins off of relegation i think it's slightly more isn't it as we, we were just talking about before we started recording but we beat burnley 
first place. Sheffield United, second place. Luton, of course, third place. Middlesbrough, fourth place. That's 12 points. That's four wins already. We don't beat those top four. Uh, then we're in a, we are in a relegation scrap with the players that we've got. That would, that's, and that, if you look at it from that point of view, that's quite disappointing. I suppose where I'm, where I'm going from it really is looking ahead to next season. Mm. Mike has already said, you know, he'll take mid-table next year. But actually, we're not that far away from doing something. And I, not, it's not even far away. It's just purely, is it not just about getting things in order and sticking with it, which we have said many, many times about, you know, that we put down this, this thing to, Geordie. It, it, does the job for next year feel as massive as we sort of feel it has done this year? I think it's bigger, to be honest. I think we're talking about the top six. They say we're not far from the top six. The top six is in the top quarter of the championship. Okay, you know, Our objective was to get promoted, not to finish in the top six. So that means first and second. We got 60 points. Sheffield United, with a game less than us, have 88. So you know, that's, we'd need to basically have 50% more of our points um, in order to be competing for automatic promotion, let alone mm. the championship. Burnley almost going to clear 100 points. So we've got 60. They're going to get 100. I mean, that's kind of two-thirds of our points would need to be added to the points we've picked up. So we are miles off it. And we're miles off it with players who, last time we were in this division, you know, like um, Saar and Pedro. Pedro was kind of developing, but he's come on a lot. Saar, at this level, in the right circumstances, should be great. The rest of the players around it, and we just needed to click, and we 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 have a, we have very little goal threat, and that's with you know low knees and stuff. The rumblings you hear about the kind of the financial situation the club's in, and the need to sell in order to fill holes and and just to kind of keep the club ticking over as we start losing the, the Premier League um, revenues. I think unless unless this season had been planned to be a season where you know what we're going to buy the players with promise, so that in two maybe three years we are really going to be going for it if but this year we're going to accept we're not going to go for it but this season was very much about going straight back up as far as far as the club's concerned we failed massively i think now the, the kind of obligations we've got the players we're gonna to have to sell on would make it doesn't it, it makes sense that we won't be able to buy players as good as the ones we have to sell because we're going to be spending a lot less than we're going to be receiving so i think next season is really going to be very much a season of of transition um, you look at who's going to likely to come down from the Premier League. It's going to be some some Premier League established teams or teams that have had a couple of years up there. How quickly they can adopt? Because obviously us and Norwich have both struggled this year to get to get straight back up, whereas Burnley have gone straight back up. So I don't think it's going to be as weak a division next year as it is this year. And to kind of to Jason's point about drop points, we're thirteenth on on sixty points. Coventry are fifth on sixty nine. That's nine teams separated by nine points. Every point matters yeah. because it is such a tight division, and we we haven't we don't have the the, the nous, frankly, um, to see out games. How many times you know Burnley now or Burnley of the old days would shit house their way to points if they had to? You know, there's teams that know how to see out a game. Um, there's so many intangibles. You know, the professionalism, the unity, the, the confidence, all these things that a team needs we lack we've got talent across various positions often i would say better than a lot of other players uh, on other teams but we lack a lot of the intangibles and i think just that kind of knowledge 
smart leadership, confidence, um, cohesion, all the things we've talked about throughout the season we lack. And I don't see how bringing in a load of new players, unless unless it's done, like I said, you know, the analogy of a jigsaw before, unless we are buying, we're buying all the pieces of the same jigsaw for next season and we've got somebody who knows how to put those pieces together as the manager, it's not going to work. I don't think we can start pulling off players, um, obviously not pulling off players in that sense. If we um, hiring players in um, or buying in players at random based on who's available, who's um, who might fit this, who looks like a good thing for the future, without any thought to how they actually form a team, I don't see us doing it. The only the only saving grace is that we did it um, when the Pozzos first came in. They kind of came in. All the Udinese loans kind of chucked a load of them on the bonfire. Some were brilliant. You know, for every Vidra, there was a Mujanji beer. But there's enough goodness to get us out of the division. Unless they can find the equivalent um, formula for, for the for the championship in 23-24, um, I, I don't know. I don't I don't see us as being particularly uh, huge favourites to, to go up next season. So I'm probably with Mike that, you know, maybe we'll be at best where we are now. It might be more of a struggle as um, as the environment around the club isn't great, and uh, it's it's pretty clear very early on in the season that there isn't it's not going to click because there, even if they clicked, they wouldn't be that great because they're not the players they are this season. Because I think this season a lot of people thought, well, you know, when we get loser back, it'll be different. Oh, if you didn't have all our midfielders injured, it would be okay. There's always a there's still plenty of time left to get us up, and we've run out of time. And I just hope the next season we start well because if we don't. Um, it could be it could be pretty bad. Well, there's one player we're going to talk speak about, speak about in a minute uh, who won't be with us next year, uh, according to those rumours. Um, but I want to quickly touch uh, Jason on, on Christian Cabaselli. Uh, scored a goal. Uh, both our goals, by the way, talk about having a lack of uh, threat up front. Both of the goals yesterday came from uh, set plays, and both came from uh, centre backs. Um, Christian Cabaselli got a goal. Started a game. Jace hasn't done a huge amount of that recently. Um, he gets so much stick. Now, I always have a problem with centre-backs or, or giving stick to centre-backs because, yeah, they have their... They can make mistakes. Do you, do, How much do you go with or not go with this, uh, you know, the attacking, it almost feels like, that Christian Cabaselli gets from the uh, from the, the, the lovely people of Twitter? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I don't agree with the uh, attacking of, of, of players, any player... Um, and not just Watford players. I don't go with the, the with the attacking of of people on social media. Um, there are probably more deserving people to get attacked for whatever reason, um, and better ways to do it than than sort of tagging people on on social media. Um, that doesn't mean he's open to criticism. Um, and I'm just going to mention, actually, you sort of mentioned first time. Well, he hasn't started many games recently. Obviously, Saturday he was captain as well, mm. um, which is interesting. Selection, but uh, maybe the right choice. I don't know. Trouble with Cavaselli to me, and I've mentioned this before. He's always felt like a player who's sort of on the verge of being a first-team regular, and he's never made that step up. Never sort of grasped that opportunity in my eyes. And he has been a regular starter, but to me, never looked like he was a nailed-on one of the first names on the team sheet, regular starter. No, he was meant to originally be, of course, one of the young players we bought, did a bit with and sold on quickly, but he's he's been around for, what, eight years? Mm-hmm. Is it been, since been he... around, yeah, not, not sure how long it is now, but he's, and he's 
in his thirties now. I think thirty-two. Uh, thirty-two. There you go. He's long, man, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's, he's <laughs> um, yeah, he's like he's like Leon Osmond to me. I still think he's about twenty-something and uh, <laughs> about to break into the Everton side. And then you see him pop up as a pundit on Match of the Day. Um, yeah, I, 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 I just feel he's he's never never made that final step mm. to be a, a sort of nailed on first team regular and and. I don't know how he feels about it. You've got to be disappointed, really. Again, one of those players, not as bad as some um, that we've got in over the last few seasons, but could do better, it says on his school report. Yeah, I always think people keep that that moment where he just lay on the floor away at Bournemouth and Mm. uh, they went and scored a goal. I think that sort of stuck with people a very early first impression of him. Um, Geordie, though, but centre-backs often do get the, the brunt of the problems. We've cried out for for new ones for many many years. Do you, yeah, do you think centre backs, Geordie, get a, a stupid amount of uh, attack, and as m- probably most defenders get from from the from the wider crowd? Uh, I don't think it's, it's it's defenders per se. I mean, strikers. We've had plenty of boo boys who are strikers. Um, there's a few things people can pick on. I think there's when it's going well, everything get all the kind of problems get covered because you're winning and people don't want to pick at, at things that aren't going well. When things aren't going bad, maybe certain players stand out a bit more and you can get frustrated with them. You know, Sars, an example, he's a winger. Um, people get frustrated with him for various reasons. Andre Gray was a centre-forward. He get, he got it. You know, if a goalkeeper lets in a couple of soft goals or makes a couple of mistakes, they could then make you know, five or six great saves, but everyone remembers their mistakes. Or the kicking, or some aspect of them, or their cro- mm. how they come out for crosses. So I think people are always like picking, and I think I think sometimes it's it's fair in the sense that there is something that is a an obvious weak point in someone's game that is that is annoying. But you know, look at players that that haven't succeeded at Watford, like Craig Dawson, for example. Like he he came in, he he was if he was some foreign player, you'd say, oh well, he came in, he wasn't very good. But he's he's had a career as a Premier League player. Um, he left us and went back into the Premier League, and he's still kind of knocking about there. So it's not obvious; it's not always as easy as that. I think Cabasel is an interesting one. I think he came in came in, you know, about 2016 or whatever. So he's he's played plenty of games, but I think to Jason's point, he probably averages about 20 games a season, um, and you know that's half the season. So he's clearly not, um, mm. you know, first name on the team sheet, and he's pretty good enough for the level we've played at, either to be a backup in the Premier League when we had better players uh, or knocking around in the Championship. But never, I guess as Jason says, the answer. And because particularly the last four years have been such a catastrophe that anybody who isn't... Um, exceptional is the wrong word because no one's been exceptional. But someone like Porteous, for example, you know, puts himself about, you know, scores headers from corners, or that will be a Cabaselli did. Looks like they're getting stuck in. They can They can cover, if you like, they can win favour. Mm. And I think Cabaselli, Cabaselli really lacks that. He's not a particularly visible player on the pitch or a particularly vocal player on the pitch. So you only see him when he's when he's made a mistake. But it's always, obviously, if you're a defender or a goalkeeper, you're in, you're in the frame when the goal goes in because you're near the goal. The fact that the midfielder let someone run or someone else made a mistake. Yeah. That, you you get it, but I mean I think there's any position can get um, can get identified or singled out as being the the bad guy. Even Ken Semmer, you know, he kind of blows hot and cold to some people who 
you know, who, who you know, didn't think he was very good, and then suddenly he's like King Ken, and then you know, it, it's it's horses for courses. I think Cavaselli, I think the point, you know, the the um the the Bournemouth goal was such an anomaly, and uh, you know, then you need a couple. Of, and you, people also reinforce their arguments. So if you see Cavaselli make three great saves, um, you know, blocking tackles and then setting up a, doing a great pass, that's great. That's what he's there for. But the minute he he gets done or the ball deflects off him, it's like, oh, bloody hell, I told you he's useless. So yeah. I think people like to reinforce their opinions. And unfortunately, with Watford not having caught fire for the last few years, you could pick anyone as a boo boy, probably. And, you know, Kamara even went from being player of the season to now everyone's like, you know. So I think it's, I think anybody, anybody in a, in a yellow shirt over the last few years, you could pick uh, like, a, like, you know, the opposite of a highlights reel. Um, low light <laughs> reel, and to say, God, they're bloody awful, and you and you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't struggle for footage, fortunately. Jason, there's one player though uh, who has been, you know, very uh, widely uh, mentioned in, in press and stuff this week. Who I think, Jordy, might you might find hard for many people to to find fault in him. Jab Hedro, Jason. Uh, rumor goes, uh, thirty million quid, something like that, and uh, that'll do. And uh, he's off to Brighton. Um, how do you feel about that when you when you heard that news, Jace? Um, not, not surprised. Mm. Um, obviously a little bit disappointed because he's, he's obviously been one of the brighter lights this season, although that's started to, uh, fade a bit over recent weeks, but do you put that down to the player or do you put that down to the fact that we've had such a poor season and sort of lollop from one head coach to the next? I think it's a great move for him. And I want to see him do well. And I think he can do. I think obviously Brighton have done well since they've got into the Premier League. They've got some great players in. Um, I suppose the the thing for him to follow, the dream for him would be sort of the, the Trossard-like path where he does well for Brighton and then perhaps takes a, the next step up to a, a bigger team. That is if Brighton don't take another big step themselves. I suppose for, for them... They've they've done quite well in in finding good value in in players. Um, I don't know if they're free signings or, or players that other clubs haven't picked up upon. They haven't spent massive amounts of money on a player. Now they're about to. I'm not sure how much that beats their record signing by, but I, I believe it does. Are they then taking that step that other clubs have done in the past, like we did? splashing all that cash on Ishmael Asar and then things going badly wrong um, for the team as a whole. I'm sure they won't. I'm sure they'll be better managed. And I think they are. They've got a lot of money behind them as well, of course. Um, a lot of new money there in the in the Premier League. So I, I think it's an opportunity for him to thrive. And I hope he does. Jordy, what about you? You know, he's you know, been a great, great part of this season. We had Chrissy Wilder, Mike, sort of his criticism of Watford being a team. Mike said he think he's he, last week he said he was digging out Jao Pedro. Um, do you think there's an, an element with him and Saar where it would free us up in terms of not having to fit in these players we're trying to make a a grand fee from that actually Bilic felt like he was giving them too much rain to express themselves. Wilder's come in saying, "Hang on, no, no, I need you to play." stricter than that if they do go well, we know Jao Pedro's going and we expect Saad to because he's only got one year left in his contract 
do you think actually that would free things up or not free things up, just make it a little bit more easygoing in terms of the squad and what you can bring in and what you can do with players rather than having to play those two? Uh, I think in the case of Saar, I think Saar is almost like um, the, the the warning, if you like, what happens if you don't sell at the right time. You know, that whole kind of thing you hear about, you know, your investments can go up as well as down. Um, we, you know, there was talk of Saar leaving, going to Liverpool when Manny was there, you know, being a you know, £40 million player. And, and he hasn't hit the the highlights. He's kind of stagnated. And I don't, and people blame him. I don't, I don't, I don't blame him. I think it's, um, it's a very difficult situation. Isn't it? You know, he won the African nations with, uh, with Senegal. He's not, um, you put him in the right team and he can do well. I think Dukure is another one. We didn't sell at the right time. And I, I think actually this thing with Jao Pedro, I'm actually quite glad that someone's willing to pay for him. Um, and we are able to realise some profit on him because I think if he stays, he's not going to get any better with us. We did pay a good fee for him where we, with, with Saar, because it was a massive investment, we needed to get a certain amount of money back, let's say, mm. to pay for what the, that stupid amount of money that we paid, or stupid amount, I mean that because of yeah. comparatively. Yeah. Um, the great thing about Saul, the unfortunate thing about Saul, why I think where he didn't necessarily see that through, he had that great game against Liverpool, COVID happened. Then he has his season in the Championship, which is great, but we stuck him around. He was going to have another year in the Premier League. He was going to show himself off in the Premier League. Massive long injury after being playing against Manchester United, plus away from the African, for African nations. He never got time to shine in the Premier League last year. And this time is sort of ticked on and ticked on. Um, and he just isn't showing. I'm name dropping here, by the way. Apologise to everyone. But when I was speaking to Tony Coton the other day for the um, Ollie Phillips um, podcast, we were just chatting afterwards and stuff. And he sort of said, yeah, but what's he done? And to the outside world, that's, that is a massive part of it. A player of his age, he's not, he's not going to get the money that we are supposedly getting for Jao Pedro, is he, Jason? No, no. Absolutely not. Um, and like Geordie said, the, the, the value has dropped um, massively, you would think, from the, from the moment we uh, bought him. He's depreciated like a, uh, a used car. Yeah, and it, it and there's been moments... I mean, there's the goal at West Brom, wasn't there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which the outside, outside world will be fully aware of, but it wouldn't take too much for just someone with a passing interest in football to dig a little bit deeper and, and find out the even the, the, the responses to, to that from Watford fans, the fact that, but what about the missed penalty later in the game? There's the, there's the yin and yang. If uh, someone with a passing interest in football can find that out, then the people controlling the purse strings of the football clubs that he may want to go to or that we may want to sell him to, they'll certainly know it. The thing I'd say in defence of Saar is that we bought him in 2019. That Liverpool game was in the same season. So it was in February 2020. Yeah. So that that's the year we went down. Then we got a year going up where he was basically the big the star man. I would say also we, we went down, but also it was COVID. So a lot of football clubs wouldn't have taken the punt on him. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely, but then we then we went up, then we came down again abysmally. But you can't put our relegation on Saar. No. And then this season, I wouldn't say our failure to go up is on Saar. I think the last I'd... he's he he's joining, and it's no no fault of his own. 
has coincided with the absolute chaos and, and instability think, yeah, of Watford. I, I don't think we, we're putting it on SAR. No. But it's, it's on the club, or some Absolutely. of it's on SAR, some of it's on the club. Regardless of whose fault it is, he's still not worth the money that Pozzo et al. would want him no. to be at, or would thought he was going to be at, at this point, four years into his Watford career. And, and nor, nor are we at the point that they thought that we were going to be at, which is probably pushing him for like the uh, you know the lower end of the Euro- European places in the Premier League, which is probably where they thought we were going to have a team full of SARS. I think the problem we've had with SAR is because he has been such an, an anomaly as an investment and and a talent, frankly, is that he's a winger. And if you play with a right winger, you need a left winger. And that's fine when you've got Taylor Faye. But then if you haven't got a left winger, then your team has an imbalance. And so if you're playing with wingers, that then immediately runs, you know, wipes out two of the positions that you've got on the on the formation, which kind of dictates how you have to play midfield, only with one man up front. And the whole team has has kind of had this, like I say, it feels like a jigsaw of of, and fit, of pieces that don't fit together. And I think Sar's been one of these pieces that, through no, again, no fault of his own, he's a winger, he's been kept as a winger, and that's had that's had an impact on us. But there's been so many things. I, 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 I do feel sorry. He's only like 25 now, which I guess for a footballer is kind of coming up to middle-aged, potentially, or early middle age. But he's, he's been through this kind of situation. And he you know in the Premier League, like we said, against Liverpool, he, he stood out in the Premier League. So he's got the talent there if someone can unpack it. The first season we, went, we, were, in the, we were in the Championship and he took us back up. He was the main man. So he's kind of shouldered that responsibility when he would have been about 22. It's... Nobody's come out of the last few seasons with any kind of um, uh, kind of uh, been celebrated from by Watford. It's been a bad season in the Premier League, and it's been a bad season this season. So there'll probably be people look around saying, "You know what? I would never have thought we could afford Sar. If we can get him and we can give him an environment and we can nurture him, he could he could go somewhere and kickstart his career. Obviously, he's Senegalese, so it doesn't mean he's got to stay in England. He could he might say, "I want to, I want to go to play with one of the teams in the top half of Liga, or I want to go to La Liga, or, or wherever." I think I think there's still a career for him if he lands in the right place because, like I said, you put him in the national team and they're the, they're the best team in Africa. So I, th- I think I think the problem with Sar is us, not him. Um, mm. And I think a lot of people might like it's to say, "It's you, not me." Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, no, well, the opposite. It's it's it, it's it's Watford are the problem, and, and we've let Sar down. And people can point to him and say he doesn't care and stuff, but it's hard to care if you can see your career going down a, down a toilet basically because some awful kind of decisions and uh, management uh, in every sense are going on around you and you, you, you're kind of trapped because they, they won't sell you until they get the money but they they can't sell you until because they're relying on you to get them back up or keep them up so I think I think it'd be really not I think you know in the same way that Jao Pedro I'm glad he's going to get his chance of Brighton if that comes I think that's a good team for him to go to because they don't they don't sign players like Watford just because they're available and cheap they've signed the right player who they could kind of done the work on and then they can evolve and develop and then sell on. If someone comes in with a similar mindset and says, you know what, the way SAR plays, I need, I've got a SAR shaped hole in my team. Yeah. I want to play like that. I think, I think he will thrive. I don't think he, he hasn't, ha- he had an injury, but he hasn't, he hasn't fallen off a cliff. It's just no one's shone the Watford team this season. And that's been ever so clear. Ever so, ever so clear. Um, yeah, it, it, it's beautiful that um, Jao's going down to have a time beside the seaside. Um, and yeah, I really hope the fact that it's that Brighton are a very well organised team um, club because yeah, they changed managers and they didn't miss a beat this year. So you think that the 
the back end of that club is absolutely spot on and, and it you know be the p- perfect place for him because he's not necessarily going, going to go in there and be Mr. Number One, um, but he could quite easily become Mr. Number One and, you know, really shine in, in what is a current very positive bright inside. And, you know, they might get into Europe and there might be some more games available. So, yeah, all good on you, Jow. Um, and we all wish you the very best. Now, questions for Gino. Uh, as you know, uh, we are part of a little collective of people who are who, who saw Scott Duxbury's uh, uh, rally call, almost challenge, let's say, in the program notes in the Wigan game, saying, you know, him and Gino are going to meet some fans uh, in the summer, and that they we're going to leave it up to the fans to organise. And ourselves, and do not scratch your eyes, and Golden Pages, and the Watford Sporters Trust, and Watford Buzz, and the group gathered and got bigger and bigger and bigger. We all said, right, okay, brilliant, we want this to happen, let's make it happen, let's get together and do that. And we're at a point now where we have had all the supporter groups, domestic and international, all were, were all emailed. Uh, anyone who's replied has been really, really positive towards, towards it. And we're at the point now where we want you to send in your questions for Gino, because this is going to be a bunch of Watford fans meeting Scott and Gino. It's not going to be everybody. It's not going to be everybody. Will it be recorded? Will it be live? We don't know. We hope as much of this can be shared with the wider fans. But going into it, we don't want it just to be the people in the room. So we want at this point now for as many of you as you want to. uh, In fact, actually, I do want you all to do it. Go to slido.com, S-L-I-D-O.com. Uh, it's a, a website where you can do polls and take people's you know, feedback and all the rest of it. Um, and if you use the code 3750490, then you can get and put your ideas and your questions that you want from Gino. Even if you don't end up being there, you can add your questions and they will feed through into the system to find out what are the common questions, what are the common themes, what is it that's on Watford fans' uh, minds. So that's slido.com and the code is 37504904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904904
how it all works, how it all fits together. Geordie's given the analogy, of course, about the puzzle, having the right pieces for the puzzle and having the right person to fit that puzzle together. And for me, if we've got someone like Manga there, he should be the one getting the right pieces and be the one that knows how it all fits together or getting the man in that then knows how to fit how it all fits together as well and, and, and the way that Manga expects it to fit together. If Manga's asking questions about whether he's trusted in the club or not, um, that worries me. And I think that's that's an area that needs to be discussed as well. Jace, have you ever seen a film called Moneyball? It's a, it was a book, but it stars Brad Pitt. I, I have. Didn't you lend it to? Oh, no. You don't, I've got it. I love it. It's a great film. But yeah, it, it, I, it, I have they, seen it and I've got the book. Yeah, they talk about it in the sense of, you know, the in American American baseball, the general manager does this. And there's a great... The whole story is basically about how the Oakland A's had to get rid of all their big players. They just got they got moved on to bigger clubs because they're only a little club, really. And he had to, like, you know, someone who was hitting 30 home runs or whatever it was, how do you fill that gap? And he just wanted to fill it in a completely different way. And you could see he had his strategy as the sort of head of recruitment. He was going for it. But the manager wasn't sort of tying those things together. Um, and you want you just want to know that the, that the manager, whoever it is, or head coach and, and Ben um, and or Gino, however this is fitting. What, what is this structure? How, how does it work? How does he see it working? Where does he fit into it? I think is, yeah, a big part for me. Because I do think the player recruitment is his, his, his toy. It's a thing he's always been part of wherever he's been. He doesn't run the club. That's what Scott does. So what is it that he... How do you see that sort of fit fit all together, Jordy? Any big areas? Your your biggest area for you? Uh, well, I think Jace has covered it. I think my first my first question before four words: How bad is it? Um, <laughs> and I, and I don't expect him to kind of give anything away there because it's a business ultimately. But you know, Jace has touched on the the finances. Um, obviously, we've got people associated with the club who are under investigation. So, like, how exposed are we to? To punishments. Um, so, leaving aside Jason's question, for me, it would be like, what's the objective for the next three years, specifically next year, and what's the uh, the plan to get us there? And what's the strategy? And I've said before, there was a there was a statement by Scott where he talked about the plan. He said, "There's nothing complicated or secretive about our plan. It's a plan management and supporters can share to achieve success on the field of play, to grow the club off the field." And to be identified as a real force for good within the local community. And you say think, that? Okay, he is a statement. I think it might have been one of these in the program, maybe somewhere. It was Recently a statement or, or uh, this, this year? This it was year. this year. It was this year, yeah. yeah. I, I remember and, it, and, I can't remember when. Yeah. And for me, that's a bit like saying to like a, a 13 year old, what do you want? And they say, well, I want to have lots of money. I want to marry like the best looking person in the world. And I want to be loved by mankind after, you know, after I die. It's like, great. How are you going to do it? You know, yeah. what's the plan to get you there? And this is a this this is this feels like three kind of pillars of, of very vague kind of statements of success. You know, what is a force for good in the community? What does that mean? What does it mean for Watford? How are you going to deliver it? But those are very different areas. Aren't they? How they are very different areas. They are, they are they're, one they're, of them they're is three all big the areas. great yeah. things that we do. The other one then yeah. is about being successful in as, as a club. In, as yeah. in a footballing way and mm-hmm. you know we go back to often Geordie your thing of Watford Football Club yeah. those, th- those three different things that, that 
we separate. It's the football bit that's not going particularly well recently, and 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 arguably the club bit's not going particularly well with the kind of the to Jason's point around finances. So the the stuff that is Watford, like stuff in the community, the people within the club who kind mm. of are there because it's their club, that's still that's still going great. That's that's perfect. That's good that we're still doing that. How are we going to get the football right? Is is the question? What? How are we going to do it? Because if we keep going for broke every year, as we seem to have done, you know, re rehaul the squad, overhaul the squad. You know, to get back up, go up, um, but bring in Sissoko and Kuchka and you know everyone else. Yeah. Overhaul that squad, and then this season bring in Manai and Bayo and I mean, I don't know. It's, it's just what's what's the what's the actual plan? What's the strategy? How are we going to do it? I understand we're going to have to sell certain players, and we have to balance the books. All those things. Every football fan can understand that. No football fan really wants their over over maybe a particular age wants their club to risk their future. For the short-term success, because you know those of us who are old enough have seen either our club fail, or the likes of Portsmouth, whoever kind of had a nice day in the sun. Obviously, I guess if you're a bit younger, you just want to be linking, your, you know, liking your club to the Man Cities of the world, you know, who can spend loads of money and are going for it. Because that's how you think success is gained. For a club like Watford, success is gained through hard work and through continuity and through having a having a strategy and executing that strategy of bringing players in, developing them. And having that sense of you play for Watford and you're and, and you um and you want to play for Watford. You see interviews with 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 ex footballers, uh, or or you know, these all these podcasts they will go on uh, that aren't quite as good as um, from the rookery end. They all talk about you know managers they liked, yeah. managers they didn't like, clubs that had unity, clubs that didn't, uh, and the happiness that they felt at some, and the fact that they could go through brick walls with others. And we. We we just we've just lacked that. And I think we need to just say, look, first a period of Potso great success, second chapter of Potso absolute failure. Okay, that's like the old story arc of you know. Oh the no, hero's I see. It's three. So it's where? So three. what's Act Three now? Well, I, I think the I th- first I one think is all the way up. Act Three is since the the COVID season or the the one that was broken by COVID. That was the beginning, or post-FA Cup final. So there was Act 1, Part 1 was getting promoted. Part 2 was getting to the FA Cup final. And then Part 3, which we're in at the moment. So I wonder what Part 4 is. Yeah, I mean, I would I would have maybe put Part 1 as being all the way from the joining all the way to the Cup final, because that's where the seeds were starting. It's almost like, almost, um, albeit the first couple of seasons weren't great, or weren't immediate promotion, there was a slow, gradual increase you know, until it was okay. Now we're now we've done well in a cup. What's next? And we were, you know, and and I think this is this is one of the challenges of being a football fan. You very quickly get used to success. Um, and you know, we were we were grumbling about, you know, are we going to get into Europe? How are we going to get into Europe? It's going to be hard. And then, but how are we gonna, if we get into the Europa League? How are we get into the Champions League? It's going to be really hard for us to break into the top four. It, it sounds absolutely bonkers that we would be thinking anything like that about Watford, given the season we've just seen. Yeah. And it is very rarely constantly upwards and it is we've talked about it on on whatsapp it's it's cyclic you look at different teams you know when when um when we got the dini goal you know we were elated we then lost in the final deflated leicester who we beat got promoted then won the league they looked like they might be going down while we were at the top of the at the top of the roller coaster luton were knocking about in non-league now they're several points ahead of us with our ex-manager going into the playoffs this could be as high as they go before they then sink back down. It is all ups and downs. And what we need to do is, 
is control the momentum, control our destiny as much as we can and not just hope it's going to work and expect one change here or one change there or some strange purchase that we've made that doesn't make any sense to anyone to suddenly change everything. Because we've got players like Pedro who have a very well-run team are saying he's probably worth 30 million, we'd like him. We've got players like Saar who have shown what they can do, whether they can do it in our current setup. We've got, we're not in a, we're not a, an environment in which anyone can thrive from the manager down to the guy coming out of the youth team. I think maybe Ryan Andrews has done very well, but no, we haven't got an environment for success at the moment. And what we need to do is, is stabilize that and then, and then take control and then build slowly. And I think we can all buy into the fact if it takes us two or three years to get back up, but we can see progress and we can get some good wins and we can feel a sense of unity with the players. The players can feel a sense of unity with the fans and with themselves and with the manager. Then we're all happy to get on that roller coaster. I don't think we all need immediate success, but what we don't want is chaos. So I think, um, yeah, I think I want to know from Gino, like what's the plan? I don't want what's the plan for this summer, bringing his load of random strikers on free transfers or outrageous fees for players within ship out in January explain every signing why have we brought that player in no why you can't do that in a meeting every single every single no 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 i, no, I don't want not in the meeting but when every player joins i want to be able to say okay i understand why we've signed him he maybe he's not yes. ready now but he'll be ready in two or three years so i think um, yeah so i have these things of going like what's the aim what's the goal and i think it's blooming obvious we want to get promoted and be a premier league consistent football team got it that's that's not a question you need to answer. I think what you're sort of saying here, Geordie, is to Gino, how do you settle things down, and what is your aim yeah, to settle everyone, things everyone, down in terms everyone knows of it the, being the, 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 yeah. the squad or the approach? You know, because the strategy. What's the strategy? What well, strategy says we want to win the Premier League? Well, exactly. There's a lot of steps well, to that. What's what's this next couple of steps? And hopefully, by the time it happens, it looks like it's going to happen the first couple of weeks of July. When it happens, you suspect. A few signings would have been made, and the new manager would have been appointed. So you think, yeah, maybe that's that. That maybe things would start becoming a little bit clearer. The only thing is, well, yeah, you know, well, that I can would, be completely thrown out the window. Well, I would say that the objective is to get into the Premier League and then be stable and grow in the Premier League. The strategy to get there is what is completely absent from. If you look back, like you know, in a, as a post mortem to try and post rationalise what we've tried to do, there is no other than just chucking things and see if they stick. There's no obvious strategy from a managerial point of view, from a playing point of view. So the objective, we can all agree, is the same objective of every I club think, in the championship. You say, you say that, Joe. I'm just going to, sorry to jump in there, mate, but I just, I just wonder if we don't know enough about the objective in terms of what is seen as, a, as success, what is seen as acceptable, but also what is the threshold for failure? Um and perhaps that will give us a better understanding then of what, well, if they then explain what the strategy is, we can appreciate that more. Yeah. Does that make sense? But yeah. That, absolutely. It's a, what, how, what's the plan for getting us into the Premier League? Now, it can't be spending £40 million on every position because we haven't got that money, but no one's expecting that. And nobody would want us to spend £40 million on any position because we need to spread it around the team. I think all the fans are are smart enough to understand that if you're a Man United fan when Ferguson left, you've kind of grown up on like 20 years of being the best team and all of a sudden you've had to deal with this. We've never been an established Premier League team. To, to, to us, our generation, it probably felt like we, we were because our formative years were like maybe four or five, six years in the in the top division under 
GT and then, you know, half a season with Bassett. And then we've been up there again, you know, but then we've never really been part of the furniture. You know, even a team like Crystal Palace probably feel like they're still kind of fighting relegation every year as the objective. We've never been up there. So we don't expect to be there, but what we want is to see progress and we want to have something that we can see improving and something we can... That, that sense of momentum, and, and I think that's what we're lacking. And it's only if, again, to your point, Jason, understanding what the jeopardy is, what we can't afford to do. So we're all in it together. And I think that's the problem. We're not all in it together as as a board, as managers, as players, and as fans. And and, and we have to be because a team like Watford isn't going to be bankrolled and can't afford to not be more than some of its parts if it's going to achieve that objective. So we all got to come together, but we need to all be marching in the same direction and we need Gino to tell us how he's going to get us there basically if you have a question for Gino go to slido.com s-l-i-d-o dot com and uh, put in the code 3750490 uh, and do send in your questions there's like six different areas under a lot of the themes and stuff that we've we've talked about but your specific questions for Gino and or Scott uh, for the event just so we know we have all the feed and all the ideas coming in from as many Watford fans as possible. Um, that's really why we want to do it this way round with this, you know, digitally you sending us the question that we can then process and, and get as many of them uh, to, to Gino. Um, and that's, that's the main idea. Now, one more podcast to go boys, one more after the Stoke game. And I'm not even going to bother trying to talk about the Stoke game. And what do you think <laughs> is going to happen boys? It's not worth it. Um, I'm going to give some awards out though. I think I want to give an award. To as many players as possible. So are there any players specifically who you think you can give an award to? I think I'm going to give Ryan Porteous the uh, Hassan Kamara Award or the Hassan Kamara Half Season Award um, because he won it last year and it, it, it works quite well um, for Ryan this year. What are the, who else? Can you think of anyone else who deserves an award or what they I might think win? There are, I, I, I think I've got four players that are up for the White Elephant Award. Okay. Um, I thought Raymond I was going to run away with it with a bit of competition from Vacuum Bio, but um, Enrique Rouge and Matches Martin seem to have made a late bid for the prize, <laughs> which incidentally is one of the anti-riot water cannons that Boris Johnson bought when he was Mayor of London. <laughs> well don't don't give us the answer to that one Jason you give us that one next week in the awards <laughs> Jordy anyone specifically you want to give an award to you think so far I, I can't give the award yet because it hasn't hasn't been completed but it was okay. along Jason's lines it was going to be the, the Watford hide and seek champion 2023 <laughs> uh, but we're still waiting to find out whether it's uh, Araujo or Coy who are going to win it um, so I thought Kalu but, would win it well Kalu, well, Kalu <laughs> yeah that's a good point yeah Kalu's done so well we've stopped looking for him <laughs> he's stuck in the corner going I haven't been fed for yeah. 12 months I've been hiding yeah. in the corner yeah. he's, been, he's, probably been, he's probably been fit he's probably been fit for the last last six months hasn't he and he's just been waiting to get called out and everyone's no one's gone to get him um, I mean I mean, we can... that's so sad Okoye's probably uh, in line for the White Elephant Award as well but I, again I've completely forgotten about him because we just haven't seen him hardly I think maybe like you know, if you're going to the Good Timing Award I'd give to like Ryan Andrews Yes, you know he's come through just at the right time. He's almost going to be, hopefully, one of the ones that is the, the baton that was. He can say I was there when it was awful, and I was part of the solution. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think he he could do that. Uh, I mean, what can you, what can you do? Uh, it's just it's just so hard to think of any. <laughs> well, 
You've got a week to think about it, Jordy. Well, I think Wesley Hoot could. There's like the, the Philosopher's Award. Because if, if. Is it really a corner if Wesley Hoot doesn't end up on the floor or the, or ends up dragging somebody onto the floor? <laughs> like, there doesn't seem to be a possible corner where in our box or the other box where he yeah. doesn't either like. Appeal for a penalty will be very close to giving one away. Um. <laughs> I look yeah, forward I mean, to Ashley Barnes presenting him, him with that award. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe you know, the Patience Award goes to Sombolonga for scoring about fifty years after his debut. Uh, <laughs> it's something we could we could give him. Courtney House is another one. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's, well, got, he I mean, well, he could be in hide and seek. Is he still ours? Is he not ours? Is he still with us? I mean, he 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 could be another one. Maybe like yeah, maybe Kalu Hauser. Arouge and uh, and Akoya and could find another player and have a a father side team um, <laughs> and just call it like the Invisible Men or something like that because um, yeah it's not it's not been good. Don't forget as well. I think we need to award a black belt to Daniel Backman for his kung fu <laughs> kick <laughs> yeah. at the end of the uh, Huddersfield game, wasn't it? Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, yeah. yeah. I think that Daniel Backman gets the uh, it's harder than it looks award. Because he's always shouting at the outfield players, isn't he? Ranting at them. And he went up for once and managed to get himself sent off within 10 seconds of, uh, of getting into the opposition's box. Um, I think um, Adeyemo and, uh, and Bayo um, for, for kind of giving us iconic moments. I think obviously the Toby's goal was kind of a, a great moment in, in the season. And then, and then Bayo's goal on the 100th um, birthday of the Vic. Yes. And that you know that was a that's a composed finish. And again, it's one of those things where you look and go, maybe there's a player in there, but it's just he's never going to succeed. We could have had like Harry Kane up front for us this year, and he probably got about twelve goals all season, and they'd have been. Most is that is that an spot. award? Sorry, George, I keep interrupting you, mate. But is that right? um, is that an award that maybe there's a player in there award? Because there's probably a few others <laughs> yeah, that we could be, yeah. we could nominate like for yeah. that this season. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We, we, get, send us in your awards uh, at what for podcasts on social medias or or email with your your reasons uh, to uh, podcast at from the dot com, uh, and we'll uh, yeah we'll we'll give out some awards next week because hey, let's do something positive to get through this season and move on to the following year uh, at Vicarage Road. Thank you very much, Jason. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Geordie. It's thanks. It's been cathartic. It always is. That's why we do these podcasts. Um, thank you very much for listening. Thank you for telling your friends if you ever have. And if you haven't, hey, find a Watford fan and tell them about our podcast. Uh, it's uh, it's called From the Rookerin. And uh, we're back after this Stoke game uh, to give out some awards, good and bad, for Watford season 2022-2023. Come on, you odds!